Welcome back to the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience Podcast. Hey everyone, first and foremost, thank you for your patience while I've been working to get this episode out. I had a family of emergency, unfortunately, that really required a lot of my time and energy these past couple days, about the past week or so. But anyway, luckily, I had already been working on putting all of this together for this very special episode, so I was able to get it finished up pretty quickly once I got back home and had to go back to everyday life. So, this episode is going to be the first in a new series that I'm calling the High Impact Leadership Series, and what is specifically special about this series is that it will be both in audio-only, typical podcast form, but it's also in video form on YouTube. So if you want to watch the video, which is really the exact same thing, except you can see the slideshow at the same time, you can check out Building Girls of Courage on YouTube and find High Impact Leadership Series there. I'd ultimately actually like to get a lot of the previous episodes converted into video versions as well, but we'll see if that is going to take a lot of extra work. Anyway, you won't really miss anything listening to the audio-only version of this because I have all the slides and downloadable PDFs over on my website, buildinggirlsofcourage.com. You can also find a link to the video there as well. Future High Impact Leadership Series webinars will include journeys and specifically take action versus service projects. I don't have those episodes written just yet, but I'm thinking there's probably at least two episodes in there, so stay tuned for that. That general topic and this one are my most requested episode topics, so I'm really excited to dive in. Today, we are going to be talking about the Bronze Award. So, without further ado, here is the audio from that episode. Welcome to the brand new High Impact Leadership Series. In this first episode, we're going to be talking about the Bronze Award. High awards are one of the two most requested topics for the Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience podcast. This episode is going to be mainly focused on Bronze, the first of the High Awards, because that's the one my oldest girls in my multi-level troop have already completed, and the next group of girls in my troop is in the middle of this process right now. These two groups in my troop are really different, and their projects are really different, and I found myself having conversations with a couple of people recently, I think with it being back-to-school time and everything, so I'm feeling really well-versed, and my thoughts are really organized around this topic specifically. So now a lot of this information is still going to be applicable to silver and gold, and I'll definitely do silver and gold episodes later, but for now, this one is primarily really talking about bronze and or it's geared toward people who have never helped girls through a high award before. First, let me just introduce myself really quickly in case this is the first time you're listening in. My name is Sarah, and I'm a troop leader of a multi-level troop serving Daisies, Brownies, Juniors, and Cadets this coming year. This is my fourth year as a volunteer, but prior to that, I actually worked for my local council for several years. I worked in all kinds of different spaces within council, from the council shop to mediation to supporting the cookie program and even new leader support. Supporting volunteers is my most passionate space because I think we have so much girl development built into this program and this organization, and I think there's a huge area of opportunity to better serve the adults who are actually implementing the program which is primarily troop leaders. I'm the host of the podcast, The Girl Scout Troop Leader Experience, which you can find at girlscoutpodcast.com, and I also run the blog over at buildinggirlsofcourage.com. You'll be able to download all the slides from this video, plus a bunch of corresponding handouts from buildinggirlsofcourage.com, so check that out. Okay, let's dive into the Bronze Award process. Before you start these steps that I'm going to lay out in this training, you want to make sure that you refer to your council training and resources as well as GSUSAs. Maybe you already took your council training and maybe you already reviewed the resources available from your council, or maybe this is the first step that you're taking listening to this episode. If you haven't already, then once you're done listening to this podcast, the very first thing you need to do is refer to your council. You need to know um, if there's training requirements that you have to complete. You need to know who the point of contact is at your council who's responsible for the bronze award. And you need to know what your council's expectations are around tracking hours, completing the paperwork, 
um, what their approval process and criteria looks like, etc. You're also going to want to know about your council specific timelines versus the GSUSA timeline. GSUSA says that um, girls have until September 30th after fifth grade to complete their bronze award, but you want to find out in your council, are there council recognitions or ceremonies that take place and what time of year do those take place? And um, what is the deadline for submitting a project and getting it approved in order to be part of that ceremony? It can be really disappointing to girls and volunteers, primarily, honestly, to volunteers when they realize that um, there was a ceremony that their girls are not going to get to be a part of or something like that. You're also going to want to review the GSUSA materials. So there's a booklet that GSUSA put out that is in the Junior Girls Guide to Girl Scouting, that big purple binder. Now that is meant to be in the hands of the girls. So if you review it as the volunteer, which you definitely should, um, you're going to see that it's really written in a way that it's meant for the girls to be reading it and using it. And um, if you choose to use that booklet as framework, which is obviously GSUSA's intention, then you're gonna to wanna to make sure your girls all have a copy of that. And I believe you can also download that from the internet as well, but you definitely can get it in the Junior Girls Guide to Girl Scouting. Um, and finally, you're gonna to wanna to make sure you grab our checklist and our whole packet of handouts that's available on buildinggirlsofcourage.com. Let's talk about some reasons why projects might not get approved that are good to keep in mind going into your project. So you wanna make sure that each girl is spending enough hours. So girls individually each need to hit the hour requirement, which um, I believe right now is 20 hours per girl. It does, it could change. So just keep that in mind. You're gonna to wanna to make sure that you know what that hour requirement is. Um, and also it goes up for bronze, silver, and gold. Um, and each girl individually needs to complete that number of hours. The, another reason that's really common is if it's not considered sustainable enough. Um, so your council might not approve your project if, you know, you do something like a drive for supplies or if you volunteer at a food bank or something like that. Um, your council might not approve that because it's um, a little bit more like a community service project than a take action project. And this can get a little bit frustrating as far as the discrepancies from council to council because some councils will approve projects that frankly are much easier to accomplish or significantly less um, sustainable change compared to others who might be a little bit more strict about what they will and won't approve. So it's really important to just know what your council's expectations are. Similarly, um, the complexity of the project, some councils might kind of more or less poo-poo your project if they don't feel like it's sustainable enough or it has enough meat to it, um, for lack of a better phrase, uh, that you just need to kind of uh, have a more comprehensive understanding or girls need to have a more comprehensive experience. Now, if you follow the steps that are laid out in this episode, I promise you that those will not be problems um, because this is laid out in order to really make sure you're having as high impact of an experience as possible. And the last thing that I would just want to cover real quick, which we're going to talk a little bit more about, is if you're partnering with anyone or donating to anyone. And I specifically wanted to bring this up because so many people have this, these great ideas of we're going to make something or collect something and donate it somewhere. And um, their intention is so good, but the place that they want to donate to doesn't actually have a need or a desire for whatever it is that your girls might want to donate. So a good example of this real quick is that uh, my girls, um, when they were brownies with their cookie money, they set a philanthropy goal and what they wanted to do was donate um, toys to animal shelters and animal rescues. And when we talked to the rescues about what we could do to donate they weren't really interested in toys that was fine but what they really needed was bleach laundry detergent blankets and so on and so forth and towels um that was the other thing so it really wasn't about toys and even though toys is what felt fun to the girls and that's what they were interested in that's really not what um 
that's really not what the rescues needed. So if we had tried to do something like that for a bronze award, fast forward to a couple of years later, if we had tried to do something like that for a bronze award and the girls had put all this effort into making toys, collecting toys, whatever, and then they went to donate it, it would actually not be a very effective bronze award because even though it would be well-intentioned and the girls would be, you know, obviously such big hearts, so philanthropic, it it really isn't the point. And the bronze is to help girls understand and learn the process of actually finding out what the needs in the community are and then filling those needs. All right, so once you know what your council's requirements are and you know what GSUSA's requirements are and you've completed whatever required training and everything like that, the very first step in my process for doing the bronze is to complete a journey. Um, it is required that you do at least one junior journey with your girls in order for the bronze to count as being completed. Um, <clears throat> if your council has an approval process where somebody at council has to do the approval, they're probably going to ask you what journey slash what take action project as part of that journey your girls completed. So many people do it at the same time as they do their bronze award, or they even finish the actual bronze project first, and then they complete journeys last minute, um, because honestly, most people really hate journeys. Um, but in my opinion, journeys should actually be a prerequisite, not just a requirement. And the main difference there is that I really believe that journeys should be completed first. At least one junior journey should be completed first. Now. I don't wanna lose you, so if you hate journeys, don't turn this off. Um, let me speak my piece about them and then we'll move on. I am gonna do a whole other episode specifically about how to do a journey from a high impact perspective as well. So the benefits of a journey, of doing a journey um, in general, but especially specifically before doing the bronze. This is a really good retention piece. It's a huge point of pride for the girls to complete um, a take action project and to complete a journey from a high impact perspective. Um, they bond together when they have the shared experience and from that standpoint it is next level Girl Scouting. They're practicing working together toward a common goal which is community problem solving which is one of the five outcomes of the Girl Scout leadership experience. We're actually helping train their brains to see, sense, understand concepts of unfairness, injustice, privilege, stereotypes, etc. We are also helping train their brains that when they see or sense or understand unfairness or injustice, etc., they can start to think of not just how to effectively impact those things, but multiple ways to solve those problems. They're also practicing taking action in sustainable ways, um, which is the difference between, the main difference between a take action and a service uh, project or commu general community service. So they're learning about that sustainable change piece. They're also learning and understanding that their voice actually matters and that they can have an impact. And um, I just wanted to share this statistic really quickly that I have been hearing for years. Um, and that is that confidence and leadership in girls actually peaks at eight years old. And from there, it's just a steady decline, if not a sharp decline. So the Bronze Award is timed really at a very influential point in a girl's life, in a Girl Scout's life, where her confidence and leadership has already statistically peaked and is probably at least vulnerable to a decline at this point. And completing journeys and completing the Bronze Award can really help girls see the actual impact of their decisions, the actual influence of the decisions that they make and um, the take action projects that they're completing. And they're learning to understand that they actually can continue to have an impact, which is going to um, affect their confidence in their abilities and that that level of confidence as other girls who are non-Girl Scouts who aren't complete completing journeys and high awards they're going to be part of that statistic of the decline in confidence and leadership whereas girls who are completing these things they're going to maintain or even see an increase in their confidence level and their leadership especially multiple journeys are also going to expose girls to so many topics and ideas that could even expose them to something specifically that they are so affected by or passionate about that it shapes their lives. 
And that's going to make coming up with ideas about their bronze and even eventually their silver and gold easier because A, they learned how to identify problems in their community like we previously discussed a minute ago. And B, they have jumping off points of things they already learned about and care about through doing journeys. And so the more journeys that they've done, especially with progression leading up to this point, the better in my opinion. Okay, let's move on to step two. The next step after the girls have completed the journey and you're trained by your council and familiar with your council's expectations and timelines, it's time to introduce your girls to the concept of the Bronze Award. In this discussion, we're going to discuss the significance of the whole thing. What, what is an older girl in Girl Scouts and what kind of older girl opportunities are there? Why does the Bronze Award matter? Why should they be proud of doing a project like this? You're gonna explain kind of the structure, they're gonna be working together as a team, um, and also talk about medal awards as a whole and what the impact can be of them, and also what the recognitions of those awards are. So specifically, my girls were particularly interested in um, the military opportunities and how it could affect their um, rank going into the military out of high school. I have two girls, in one in each group, that have been working on their bronze um, over the past couple of years who are really interested, two girls out of 10, who are really interested in going into the military after graduation. So that was particularly interesting to them. Um, and we also talked about scholarship opportunities. Um, you know, if your girls are hopeful or optimistic or planning to go to college after high school, then talking about those scholarship opportunities is also good because it helps them picture and project their future. You're also going to want to explain <clears throat> what the Bronze Award project actually entails, picking a topic and learning about the problems in their community that are related to that topic, and then identifying the root causes and the impact both short and long term, who's affected by those problems, as well as the community as a whole, and coming up with ideas to contribute to long-term change, sustainability, take action, community service, all those topics. These are all things you're going to talk about. And you're also going to want to talk about tracking hours, how to track hours, what kind of hours to track. Um, we do have an hour tracker um, for the Bronze Award on buildinggirlsofcourage.com. There is also one in, I think, in the Junior Girls Guide from GSUSA. There's a million of them online if you Google it or Pinterest it. And, um, of course, you really need to double check if your council requires specific hour tracking paperwork, because even if you use a cute one that you found on Pinterest or ours, if they require specific paperwork, you're gonna to have to transfer all that information over in order to submit it for approval. So you might as well find out what they're gonna expect upfront. The next step is to pick a topic. And before I get too far into this, I want to kind of like lay out an expectation. So there's sort of three layers to this. There's the topic, there's the problem, and there's the actual project itself. So the topic is gonna to be super general. The, prod, or the problem is going to be a problem related to that topic. And then the project is going to be what they come up with for the bronze. And we're gonna go in order, right? So we don't wanna get ahead of ourselves and jump straight to project ideas. We wanna start with really broad, what is the topic? Now this portion is gonna be where the girls are going to um, brainstorm all kinds of ideas of what they're interested in and have that discussion and come to an agreement about what topic they want to choose. And I recommend doing the brainstorming um, route as having like a one girl be the scribe and she's writing everything down hopefully on like a whiteboard or a big um, piece of paper or something like that, um, flip chart or something. And all the girls are going to be coming up with and contributing ideas. And I just want to let you know, when we did this the first time with the first group of girls, I actually brought a backup list of ideas, and um, I was planning on being able to kind of help get the ball rolling, help get their wheels turning, giving them suggestions, and honestly, I did not even need it. I didn't use it at all. The girls had no problem coming up with their own topics. They had like a solid list of probably... 15 to 18 of them, so they did not need that list. Just some reminders going into this. First of all, keep the process girl-led. It's so important to let the girls handle this part. 
it is really tempting to do it yourself or to jump in. Um, many of us as volunteers are training our brains at the same time as we're working with the girls. And statistically, we're not well practiced at this either. So many women, um, adult women in this country, or adult men if you are um, a male volunteer, I want to have inclusive language here. Many adults, and especially women, are just not uh, identifying problems in their community and taking action on them either. So um, helping girls learn how to do this effectively is also uh, really beneficial for us as adults. And so it's really tempting to get involved in the process and to want to be part of it. Um, it can feel exciting to be part of an opportunity like this, but it, you really want to let the girls do it themselves. In addition, as I was mentioning, stay broad, don't jump ahead, make sure you're focused on specifically topics. Girls might be really good at picking broad topics like environmental sustainability or animals, um, but they may also be tempted to jump ahead to the actual problem or even further to the project itself. So an example of this is a girl might suggest a non-smoking campaign, like we could make a TV commercial about the problems with smoking and why people shouldn't smoke. And that would be jumping ahead to the project. It is tempting to go in this order, especially if girls have not done effective journeys in the past. Um, and let me just warn you, this is a great way to do a project that actually has very low impact or does not get approved by council. So you're gonna to wanna to help girls dial it back and ask them guiding questions like, okay, that sounds like a project, not a topic idea. What would you say is the general topic of that project? And maybe that'll be enough to get her to back out all the way to non-smoking or health, or maybe she'll even be more specific, like maybe she's suggesting this in the first place because her mom smokes or she just lost a grandparent to lung cancer or something. And so she might say cancer or healthy moms or something like that. Okay, adopt a grandparent. This is another example of a project, asking the girl who suggested something like this follow-up questions like, what a very kind suggestion, Susie. Sounds like you are suggesting an actual project though, and we really need to sum it up as a general topic at this point. What would you say the topic is that's related to adopting a grandparent? Perhaps she's gonna launch into a whole story or just a speech about how sometimes senior citizens are lonely, they don't get any visitors when they live in senior communities. Remember when we gave cards, when we went caroling there, and so many of the people we gave cards to cried. They are lonely, they need companionship, and so many of them either don't have grandkids or their grandkids don't come and visit them. So now she's successfully described the problem, right? Still not a topic, so you might say, Wow, Susie, you're right. We did make a lot of people feel really special when we visited them last December. I love this idea. Great description of the problem adopting a grandparent might solve. But I'm gonna push you to summarize this even more. What do you think the topic of the subject is that's related to that problem? And try as hard as you can, even though it's, it can be a challenge, not to just choose a topic for her. Um, but if you are struggling to get her to back out of it far enough to an actual topic, then you could suggest a few. So how about which of these do you think is the best way to summarize the topic you're thinking about, Susie? Do you think it's senior citizens in general? Do you think the topic is senior communities like the one we went to visit? And I would particularly recommend with an example like this that you try to help her back off the idea of just like general loneliness, because even though she might be right, she is still making a lot of assumptions about how seniors feel and what problems people living in senior living com communities are actually facing. We want to take a journey together and learn about this in order and making assumptions based on limited experiences or things we've heard or read somewhere can sometimes be outdated, less relevant in our direct local community or even just straight up wrong. Buddy benches, this is a really popular one for bronze and it is most frequently seriously indicative of doing this process in the reverse order. Starting with a solution, aka a project idea, and then trying to make it fit the bronze guidelines. Ask girls what a buddy bench helps, who it helps, and why it might be important. 
This will help them back out to the topic of making friends or even bullying or something like that. Some good suggestions for asking questions that help girls back out of the actual, um, into the actual topic include asking, who, who does this help? How does this help? Why do you think this is important? How would you summarize that in one or two words? And if you aren't sure as the adult involved, whether your group is talking about a project, a problem, or a topic, consider this last question. How would you summarize it in one or two words? And of course, sometimes topics can be four or five words, of course, but generally they're gonna be really short. If you were gonna make a website like mytopic.org, what would the URL for the topic being discussed be? This isn't a great one to ask fourth and fifth graders because they don't usually know much about how to name a website URL, but it might help you as an adult because obviously like sometimes seniors are lonely at senior living communities because no one visits them.org is not a good website name. So maybe seniorcitizens.org or seniorlivingcommunities.org is better, right? Another similar thing is to ask yourself to finish the phrase problems facing blank or problems related to blank. So then it would be like problems facing senior citizens or problems related to senior living communities, right? Depending on the girls, this method might help them back all the way out to the topic again, but I am really primarily recommending this strategy to you as an adult volunteer if you personally aren't sure whether it counts as a topic or a problem or a project, like which of those three categories it goes in. So one more example on this and then I'll move on. Let's talk about the smoking example again. So let's say your girl starts out talking about a non-smoking campaign or a commercial, which is obviously a project, right? Because she's already talking about how they're gonna take action. So you ask her more questions and get her to expand on it and explore the idea a little bit more to try to get her to back out to the topic. And maybe she suggests the topic might be smoking causes cancer. Well, smokingcausescancer.org makes a killer website, right? But how about that other method, problems with smoking causes cancer? No. Problems facing families of cancer patients, that's a topic. Problems related to smoking, that's a topic. Problems related to mom's health, that's a topic. Problems related to health, another topic. Now, if we're gonna choose that last one, we're probably gonna need to be a little more specific about whose health, but that can also become clearer in the next steps to follow. But I will say being a little bit more specific about whose health we're interested in might help girls be encouraged to actually pick or not pick the topic. <laughs> I know this will be familiar to all of you. Some girls might go into diatribes and other girls might be too short with their answers and you have to like kind of pull it out of them a little bit more. I'm sure you have no trouble guessing which kid I was. <laughs> For kids who give long speeches, let them say their piece but then ask them like a summarizing question. It can be really tempting to say, okay, let's call that health. <laughs> but I challenge you to let the girl sum it up instead of you. Great point, Susie. Thanks for sharing something that obviously means so much to you and your family. If you had to summarize that in one or two words for a topic suggestion, what do you think the topic would be? And this is important because to use the non-smoking example, if she wants to talk about cancer and how cancer impacts families, then it's actually not necessarily going to be about smoking at all. If she wants to talk about health or specifically even healthy moms, there are a million projects that might be applicable to that depending on how the rest of the steps go, which obviously we're going to talk about more as we keep going. Doing this in the right order is essential for a really high impact, effective, doable, approvable project that is also setting girls up with the skills to be most successful and high impact at life. Now for girls who don't say much, if they're clear, leave it at that, thank them and move on. If they're unclear though, Ask them if they can give some examples of problems that might be related to that topic or if they can share why that topic's important to them and why they're thinking about it. We're not picking a problem to solve right now, but it can sometimes help clear things up if you aren't sure what they're talking about or if you aren't sure they're sure what they're talking about. Um, example, we had a girl who said immigration. Now, that's a nice and succinct and actually a great answer as to a topic that is 
very relevant and important in my community because I live in Arizona, but that's a pretty surprising answer for a fourth grader. And it was probably confusing to the other fourth graders. So we asked her some follow-up questions um, to kind of get a little bit clearer understanding of why she was suggesting that and why it might be important and what kinds of things related to immigration we would potentially be and learning more about in this process. Now that's not the topic they picked, but I just wanted to use that as an example. Now the girls are actually going to choose the topic. So at some point you should end up with like 10, 15, 18, or even 20 topics that are like really solid ideas. Maybe you have like five and your girls are tapped out and that's okay. Resist the urge to suggest your own. Let them do it. It's important. The girl who originally suggests the topic that they end up going with is going to remember that and own it for years to come. Let her have that moment. There are a million ways to come up with a group agreement or to vote on something as a group. My group tends to vote on things by narrowing it down. So like, you know, pick your top three, like everybody gets three votes and then we narrow it down and then we vote among those three or something like that. And um, however many rounds we have to do to narrow it down, it just depends on how many we started with. But then when we pick the top one, I personally recommend asking girls as a whole, like, are we happy with this topic? We don't have a project planned yet or anything like that, but are at least, are, can we all agree to move forward as a group with this topic? Because most of the time they're probably all gonna be okay with moving forward, but if someone is particularly opposed to the topic, I do personally recommend going back and revisiting the ideas that came in second or even third place. I wouldn't always say this in Girl Scouts, but in this case of picking a bronze idea, yes, because each of the girls should be emotionally attached to their project. How do you think one girl would feel about the bronze award and maybe Girl Scouts as a whole if she absolutely is vehemently opposed to the topic that the other girls agreed on? Do you think she's going to contribute? Do you think she's going to show up with her best attitude? Do you think it's going to mean anything to her? Do you think she'll be encouraged to continue Girl Scouts next year? Now, this is a huge opportunity to boost your retention rate, so use it by giving girls the opportunity to be invested and happy with their choices. And learning to work together is an essential part of this. Even if it wasn't a girl's first choice, she needs to learn how to contribute to the group as a whole, and the group needs to understand how to include everyone and be considerate of their entire group dynamic as a whole. Part of the exercise of the bronze in general is to get the team to think about how they each individually contribute to the whole pie and related to that is not leaving one of their own out to dry. So learning how to be inclusive and considerate of each other is part of what they should be practicing. Time for step four, connect with the community. And honestly, steps four and five really could go in either order and you might end up going back and forth between the two a little bit, but I did give this a lot of thought and my recommendation 90% of the time is to connect with the community as your next step after you pick a topic. Now this is a step where you can kind of use your adulthood and worldly experience to kind of lean in a little bit and make a couple of executive decisions. Of course I do also like getting the girls to lead here because they should be the whole time but this is a chance for you to kind of like you know probably a little bit better than the girls might depending on the situation who would be good for them to connect to. And the big question here is who's already doing work on this topic and or what do you think the problem is that you wanna work on in your community? So we're moving from top, starting to move from topic to problem and we're learning more about who's already doing work on this topic and what is their experience. So if you wanna work on the senior example, who in your community is already working with seniors? Who's going to know about the problems seniors in your community are facing? And if we're specifically talking about people living in senior living communities, who's going to be A, the expert on that, and B, already working on making change there. My girls last year did their project on hunger in their community, which started out with like this long personal story, I know someone, et cetera, et cetera. And as a result, I wanna do a food and medicine drive. And we back all the way up to the topic of hunger slash food insecurity, and we're specifically interested in how that impacts kids in our area. So we met with someone who runs some programs locally to help kids who face food insecurity. 
there's a few programs, but specifically the one we learned about the most and actually partnered with was a food drive and distribution program that makes sure kids have nutritious food, including meals and snacks weekly, and especially over the summer when they aren't coming to school every day. So there's probably already people in your community who are working on whatever the topic is that your girls came up with. Maybe there's a lot of people, maybe there's not so many, or maybe there's not even anyone local, but there's people working on these issues like nationally or internationally or neighboring communities. So you personally can brainstorm on that and then also get the girls to brainstorm on that. Most likely even getting them to brainstorm, they most likely will be able to identify what kinds of people might be working on it but they may not know actual individuals. So that's an opportunity for you to come in as well. And there's some room for progression in that. So they get an ideas of how to do this from having your help in the bronze. So that as they get to say silver and gold, they're able to um, find some of those people themselves. Here's some questions to ask girls to get them to think about who they might wanna connect with. Do you think anyone in our community is already working on this issue? Do you think anyone in our community is already an expert on this? What kinds of people already work with people impacted by blank? What organizations do you know of that already help blank? What programs or projects do you know of that other people have done to help? Who do you think might be able to help us learn more about this? And why do you think that person or those people would be particularly helpful? <laughs> then you're gonna want to um, schedule some time for those people to meet your girls. Maybe you're gonna go visit with them. If the girls are interested in doing a project related to animal welfare or something, maybe they go visit rescues or veterinary offices, or maybe these community connections come to talk to the girls at a troop meeting. They can come either as a guest speaker and give a presentation, or they can do like a round table discussion with your girls, especially as your girls become more and more informed on their topic. So you're gonna to want to kind of lead the girls to water as far as what they want to get out of these conversations and meetings. So some questions to help clarify what they even need to know might help them get clearer on what they hope to get out of the conversations with community connections. So here's what we're hoping to learn more about in both this step and the next step. Who's most impacted by our topic? What problems are the most urgent or prevalent related to this topic? How widespread are these problems? What is the reach of the problem? Who or what has caused or is causing the issue? What are the short and long-term impacts of the problems, both on a case-by-case -case basis as well as on society as a whole? Who's already doing work on this issue and what is their experience like and what can we learn from them? And how can we partner with them? If any, what kinds of solutions or projects or programs already exist related to this issue? And which ones are most effective and why? How can you measure whether the program or project or solution is effective? What can we do to help or contribute to an existing solution, project, or program? So this is what we hope to learn a little bit more about from meeting people. The girls are also going to learn a lot more about it on their own in the next step in step five. So that's why I couldn't necessarily decide which order to go in because you might need to start having girls do their own research as part of step five before they know who they might want to meet or who's most relevant. But it's okay to go back and forth between the two steps as much as possible. So maybe as they do more research on their own in the next step, they learn about someone specific or an organization or a program or a project or something that they want to actually go and see or meet the people involved. And so you can kind of play it by ear. The reason I decided to start with meeting people first is because this is a great opportunity for girls to find out the reality of the situation before they get too far down the dream pipeline of this is the project I have my heart set on. Let's go back to the buddy bench example. Maybe the girls are determined to make buddy benches. So we get them to back out to either making friends or bullying or whatever as the topic. Then we introduce them to maybe school counselors, like someone who works for nonprofits about anti-bullying or something. And in those conversations, they're going to learn that bullying has actually been steadily declining over their lifetimes, which is about the past decade, to the point where bullying is significantly less relevant today than it was 10 years ago. Obviously, bullying still happens, and that doesn't mean we should stop worrying about it, right? But nowadays, most bullying actually occurs online through channels like social media, which was not even around really 10 years ago. And um, this is all true, by the way. I'm not making this up. Like, we did talk about it a little bit in a past episode of the podcast called The State of Girls and Why Girl Scouts is Critical. So if the topic is bullying, but most bullying occurs online, 
is making and donating a buddy bench going to help solve the most pressing problems kids are facing involving bullies today? And I just want to reiterate what we were talking about um, earlier with making sure that if you want to donate things places. So um, some people actually do say, like there's some research out there that states that buddy benches are actually not effective. And in fact, there are many schools that won't even accept buddy benches as a project or a donation. And so I just want to reiterate, like before you do anything, you need to make sure the project that your girls are working on is relevant, helpful, and if you're trying to partner with an existing organization or institution or something, you need to make sure that they know that you're trying to partner with them and then you need to find out what their needs are and what's important to them and not just what your girls think they want to do. And that's a really critical distinction because I've heard about this time and time again, especially with higher level projects like specifically Silver, where girls can have the choice to work on it on their own and they have their hearts set on something and they pour themselves into the project and then they're emotionally invested and when it does not get approved, they are heartbroken. If you should find yourself in a situation like that, there's another piece to that too. You can actually work backwards. If you follow the steps in order, the way that I've laid them out, and you can speak to what issue they're working to solve and how it helps in a sustainable change kind of way, and it takes enough hours, then you're gonna get approved. But if you have to work backwards or if you're having trouble getting something approved or whatever, Work with the girls to back it out all the way back to a topic and identifying what problems are most prevalent and relevant to that topic and then what projects already exist to help those problems and how the girls can help. So like what community are they trying to serve? What does that community most need? And if your girl's project is related, then maybe just being able to answer those questions is actually enough to get you to the point of approval. Or maybe your girls need to expand on it and make it just a little more effective or a little more appropriate. Or <laughs> Maybe you've boxed yourselves in and you just can't figure out how to make it an effective high award project. Now, that doesn't mean your girls didn't do something great. It just means that it's going to be a community service project that they did on their own time because it matters to them and they care about it and not because they're going to do it to earn the bronze award. Okay, I want to give an example of this. So I heard about an example where someone was working on a silver award idea and the girl really wanted to like bring cheer to kids in the hospital who were there for long-term stays and she wanted to bring them games and comfort items and so on something like that to help cheer them up and if I remember correctly the hospital was willing to accept the donations but then she couldn't get it approved by her council and the reason why is very similar to what I was trying to avoid with the adoptive grandparent example this idea is a very nice idea and it definitely is representative of strength of character and a big huge heart however it is not on its own a high award project. High awards should be identifying the topic, learning about the problem, and then contributing to the solution. So what is the problem that kids in the hospital are facing? Is it that they're lonely and bored? How do you know that? It would be different if it happened in the opposite order. We wanna learn more about the problems facing kids during long-term hospital stays. So we're going to meet with some people who work with kids in a local children's hospital. Maybe we're gonna meet with some people from a local organization who specifically work to help and support kids with a specific disease or medical diagnosis that causes long-term hospital stays. Maybe through this, we find out that our local children's hospital specializes in children with cardiac issues and children from all over the world are coming here specifically for cardiac care. And maybe we learn that children who are specifically dealing with cardiac-related struggles are dealing with X, Y, and Z. Maybe we learn that this is how prevalent cardiac issues are among kids under such and such age, but no one knows that this is such a huge issue. Maybe we learn that the biggest problem facing these kids' families is the cost of their medical care, and that really what they need more than anything is to raise awareness so that more people will donate funds to support those families. Or maybe they need something else. Again, I don't know. I'm completely going off the cuff here, but this is the order that you need to go in so that you can learn about the issue and the needs first and then come up with an appropriate project. Is donating coloring books and comfort items going to help the morale of these kids? Sure. How does that help the overall issue? And I want to expand on this just a little bit further and then I'll move on. If you've already done a project or started it and have gotten however far in where your kids are particularly set on a specific aspect of a project, there are ways to try to retroactively make it fit. Continuing with the hospital example, can we learn more about how donations like that impact kids' morale when they're facing long-term hospital stays? 
can we learn more about how their morale then impacts their health and their success with their medical treatments? Can we learn more about what kinds of experiences are typical for children that these children might be missing out on? And how can we expand on our existing projects to complement what we've done, but also support these kids in ways they really need? Maybe you learn that these kids are missing out on typical school experiences, and so you bring an academic experience to them in the hospital, like homeschool kit that they can work through. Or maybe you learn that these kids are missing out on typical socialization experiences, and depending on what the circumstances are of their hospitalization, maybe you do a social or a prom where you can work with hospital staff to gather the kids together and listen to popular music and get to know one another and play games and make friends. But those ideas only work if you first do the research and ask the right people the right questions to find out what it is that these kids really need and miss out on and what they're able to participate in, right? Okay, so think of people who would be good to come and meet with the girls or to take your girls to go meet and make sure you spend that time learning from them, the experts, about what problems are most prevalent and what projects or programs or solutions are most helpful. Next, you can ask your girls what they need to know more about. Again, what do we need to research and learn more about? Maybe there are people they want to meet based on what they've learned so far. Maybe they want to research specific opportunities or ideas that they learned about. Like, maybe they met with someone from the Humane Society who said they need volunteers to run adoption events because X, Y, and Z. And this is what it takes to run an adoption event. So now the girls maybe need to learn more about how to run an effective adoption event. Um, why it's important for animals to get adopted, how many homeless pets there are, what happens to animals who don't get adopted in a timely fashion, and so on. Who or what is responsible for the homeless pet epidemic to begin with? And how widespread is the issue? How many animals are impacted? How do adoption events help solve that problem? Is there a shortage of volunteers to run adoption events in other areas? And how can we reach more people to potentially volunteer besides just us? All right, so step five is research and learn more. So girls should get a good list of questions together about what they need to learn more about. And this is also another opportunity where you can lean in as the adult and make some suggestions as well. You are helping to train their brains. Remember, essentially in as early of a stage as the bronze award, just the first of the medal awards. So you're helping to guide them here to learn more about things. You aren't going to tell them the answers. You aren't going to do the research yourself. My recommendation here is to have a conversation or several with them about what kinds of things we need to learn about. And then you go home, you add your own thoughts, and you compile a worksheet of questions for them to research. I've put some prompts in um, a downloadable file to get you started on buildinggirlsofcourage.com. But honestly, this is gonna be very topic specific. So there are some things that are like roughly applicable to every topic and problem. This should be an opportunity where girls are becoming experts about the topic and they're getting really very clear about what is the problem and how big is it and who is impacted and what are the causes and how can we help. They are not determining a project yet. They're learning more about the topic and the problem and then they're going to eventually choose a problem to focus on. Um, so we did a library day for this. Um, I guess technically we did two library days because we did a library day where we worked with local library staff to learn about how to do research and then we used the computers in the children's section of the library and let them actually do the research online. Depending on how deep you need to go on this, this may take more than one session and multiple hours. This is also something girls can do outside of the meeting time on their own time and just track their hours, but we did this during meetings. Um, we provided them with handouts that each had a few discussion questions with like blank lines for them to take notes. And we sort of shuffled it so that none of the girls had the exact same handout with the same questions. We didn't want this to be kind of like a school assignment that they were just like hunting and pecking for the right answer and then moving on. In particular, we have some honors girls who have trouble with this because they're so used to doing things the school way, like having a worksheet that has one right answer and they race to find it and then they move on. So we had to kind of like help them understand that this was meant to learn more and to do research and to become experts, um, not to find the right answer. And also not having the same sheet prevented the whole inclination of like, let me just lean over and look at what the person next to me wrote because I don't know what to write for this. So some girls really, really needed help with this portion and some girls just got it right away. 
We also provided a list of suggested sites for them to use as well. And I want to be clear, I did not do the research for the girls. I did do a little legwork based on our discussions about what we'd already learned from meeting with someone in our community to point them to websites that had a lot of great information. And I just made a list of website URLs. And I made sure the sites were like informative, user-friendly, kid-appropriate, reputable. But we also told the girls they could use the skills that they learned from their library training to search for their own sources. And some girls chose to use YouTube, which I would say don't bite it. For some kids, that is the easiest way for them to learn. And one girl in particular in my group, um, my first group of six, had huge success using YouTube. She learned a lot and she easily stayed on task. So then after they had time to do research, we had a big discussion as a group. We had the girls debrief with each other about what they'd learned. And there was a little bit of overlap with some of the questions. So in that case, maybe two or three girls would share what they each found out. And this is kind of fun because this is the part where as girls learn more, they get horrified at what they're learning and like the injustice of it all. So you can start to really see their little wheels turning and their passion growing. And you really start to see this early on in the process to see the actual impact you're having on how they see the world and how they understand their role in the world. And this is why this is such a huge part of Girl Scouts, not just medal awards, but encouraging community problem solving in general as one of the core outcomes of GSLD. This discover, connect, take action thing that we hear so much as buzzwords comes to life in the medal awards. And the bronze is really the first opportunity to see it. And when done effectively in a high impact way, man, it impacts retention, girl relationships, their bond to you as the adult who is there along the way, and just like their whole entire life. To just make it as clear as possible, this is where the girls are transitioning from the topic to the problem. They are really very clearly defining the problem in this stage. So in this discussion, that is what you want them to be able to articulate really easily to you. You're going to want to repeat steps four and five as needed. So the connecting with community people, potential partners, programs, etc., um, meeting with people and doing their own research. You're going to go back and forth between those as needed and until they are clearly able to articulate the problem that they want to move on to. So next, you're going to actually talk about what comes next, what can we do. Based on what the girls talked about learning, they're going to have ideas. They may have a million ideas. They may have a few. They're all going to take and run with. And they may have others that are like astronomically ambitious. Here's how you help girls get clear on what they want to do for a project. How would you rate the potential effectiveness of this project? like how much is this project going to help solve the problem and specifically think about the root cause of the problem knowing and understanding what the cause is how effective is this project going to be is the cause going to go away completely will it be lessened or will the cause just continue to repeat itself so is the project idea very effective a little effective or not so effective <laughs> How much time will this probably take us to do? A lot of time, a manageable amount of time, or not a lot of time at all? What is this going to cost us? A lot, a little, or no monetary cost at all, just time and effort? What is the probability of our success? Like how ambitious do we think this goal is? Can we realistically come up with a step-by-step -step plan to achieve this goal? Is this idea too ambitious, a little ambitious, or very realistic? And how measurable is this project? Can we measure our success? This is very measurable, might be measurable, no idea how we would measure this. And if they have multiple ideas they're discussing, maybe go through those questions for each of those ideas, make a chart of what they determine for each category for each option. So then they can eliminate options that would cost too much, take too much time, wouldn't actually be effective and or are unreasonable to accomplish. Let the girls work through this and hash this out if necessary. It might take quite a lot of discussion and plotting and planning to determine as a group whether the project is viable or not. Next is get to work. And this is where a lot of people like jump right in. They go straight to this step and they miss all that stuff before. And hopefully you can really see from this um, conversation how all that stuff before is gonna make this step way more effective. 
there is a bit of a process laid out in the bronze booklet in the girl's guide for this stage. So I'm not going to spend like a tremendous amount of time on it because honestly, you should refer to GSUSA's bronze booklet in the girl's guide for this. But they're basically going to be architects laying out the structure of a whole plan or a whole process. What steps will they need to take to accomplish their project? They're going to lay it out step by step. They're also going to think about their individual strengths and how they can each contribute to the project. So they're going to think about those steps and they're going to dig into those steps one by one, thinking about their individual strengths and how they can each contribute. They're going to think about what to do if things don't go according to plan. They're going to implement the steps they came up with in order according to their plan and their backup plan. They're going to track their time and they should collect whatever other documentation and measurements and data are relevant to their project. And then they're going to make sure that it all gets submitted in a timely fashion to wherever, whoever it needs to go per your council's requirements. Now here's another piece that a lot of people I think skip that is essential for the high impact aspect of doing the Brahms. And that is the aftermath, which is reinforcement and PR. It is time to drive it all home. And this is just critical. Make sure that your girls are able to speak to what the topic is, what is the relevant prevalent problem to that topic, how big is that problem, what's causing or has caused the problem, what are the impacts of the problem, and why does it matter. They're going to be able to speak to what was the project, <laughs> what did we do, why did we do it, um, what was the reach of our project, how, what was the impact of our project, and what was the outcome of our project, how did it help. And I also recommend doing a survey at this point. So I've included one for you to download at buildinggirlsofcourage.com, or you can build your own. I like this because I like to have measurable information to work with. So like on a sliding scale or using true or false questions, ask the girls if they think their voice matters, if they think they can make an impact on the world, if they think their project was important, will they take action about issues in their communities in the future? Do they feel closer to the girls they did the project with now compared to how they might have felt before they did the project? Do they have ideas for future silver or gold projects? Do they think the bronze award or high awards in general are important? Will they tell other people about their bronze award, et cetera, et cetera. Then after you take a moment to applaud yourself and your girls for accomplishing something huge and important, get the word out. Post about it on your own social media, but I mean, don't share pictures or videos without pre-approval from parents. But you can at least tell the story of what they did and how proud you are. Also, submit the story to local and national news sources and submit the story in any photos you have to GSUSA as well. So let's help increase the brand recognition and awareness of what Girl Scouts do and why Girl Scouts matters. Do not rely on your council to do this. They probably do not have the time or resources to submit stories, but you can. Also reach out to local government officials, people at school, whatever is relevant to get your girls any accolades and recognition that you can. Because who knows, maybe the mayor or their school principal or teacher or something will pay them a special visit or certificate or just give them verbal appreciation of a job well done. The girls should know how big of a project this is and how big of a deal it is that they did it. Drive home that pride. Really let them feel it and soak it up. This is what is going to have all the long-term impacts, improving their confidence, sense of self, their positive values, their healthy relationships, seeking challenges, and knowing that they can do hard things and encourage them to continue taking action in their community and community problem solving. And it's going to help your retention. My girls are constantly thinking about ideas for their eventual silver and gold projects now, and I want to encourage that, you know? If they're daydreaming about their eventual gold award project, then they're most likely going to stick around to actually do it. Okay, I know this was a long episode, but I want to refer you to buildinggirlsofcourage.com for all the downloads, including the slides and everything. This episode is both on YouTube as well as whatever your favorite app is for listening to podcasts, so make sure that you find us in both places and subscribe so you don't miss anything. Um, it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you know, the whole shebang. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash girlscoutpodcast, Instagram at girlscoutpodcast, and you can email me directly at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you have ideas for other episodes or if you want to help out with a specific topic or just do a general interview to share your story, I would love to have you on. 
that's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.